0: happening man how you doing doc man it's sunday night and that means it's sunday night service come on in come on in the room come on in the room come With on my in. come on in and say man that's one of the best runs you've ever done bro you've been, you you, you <laughs> you been practicing you no you've been practicing jeff hit the falsetto
1: <laughs> hey welcome to religiously incorrect we are brought to you by Phillips Care Training.
0: Phillips Care Training.
1: We are the. They are the proud owners of High Street
0: Fitness. They did this.
1: <laughs> Two seventy seven High Street in Courtland. Only ad
0: they need. They are
1: running all kinds of specials. Check them out at 330-984-7632. Ask for Big Mike. Uh, not not our producer. Not our Big, big Mike. Mike. Not our big Mike. big Mike. The Buff that, Mike. That yeah. That, that Mike ain't that buff. That, that ain't buff.
0: <laughs> His beer belly Mike over here. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for Buff Mike. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Hey, Pastor El- Tatum. Elder Carter. Hey, y'all like, share, do us a favor, share this. All right, like it, hit your hearts. What did we learn last week? Hit angry faces on purpose. Hit angry faces, yeah. Be angry on purpose because that's how Mark Zuckerberg... Uh, has manipulated all of our lives by <laughs> by pushing things when we hate each other so somebody absolutely somebody put make America great again or something like that in the comments <laughs> just to get our algorithms up. Y'all right, know what's happening. Right, right, right. What's ah, going sister on with you? Sister how are you? Hey, hey, hey. All right, all right. My sister Howard, good to see y'all. Come on in the room. Welcome to Sunday night service. Hey, we got to give a shout out to, uh, I don't know if she's on tonight. They might still be out of town, but Lady De La Cruz yes. and our friend, Reverend Dr. Angel De La Cruz, who turned 60 this week. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I guess they went on a trip with the family and all. They had a couple posts up. So okay. our, our good friend, the good doctor. Okay. We appreciate okay. And, and love him and happy birthday to you.
1: Definitely want to give a big shout out to uh, Pastor Barnes, who was in my stead when I, yeah, I was on yeah. my little cruise. Yeah, Pastor Kent stay. made it happen. That's the man. Oh, so, hey. somebody
0: need to hear this. That's our favorite joke. <laughs> my dad used to say all the time, oh, somebody need to hear this. Yeah, he did good, man. You know, he he filled, you know, the ball headed slot real good, man. I mean, we we have to get somebody ball to fill Joe's uh, (laughs) slot. Is kind of required. Um, there will be no black and
1: yellow today.
0: Oh, oh, there is. There's there's a whole lot of black and yellow. Y'all,
1: y'all won that game on twelve technicalities. (laughs) Twelve.
0: Y'all want to get the JV team. (laughs) Yeah. y'all
1: hey,
0: y'all literally barely beat the dude y'all cut right as long as we beat him, though, y'all did beat him as long as we beat I did him. not know, want to know what I know it was gonna look like if you didn't, you Woo-hoo. know what, and the funny thing is, I saw some Browns players go over and be gracious, da. he would't have did that, oh no, nah. he he uh, would have been have done that. he'd have been doing all his little yeah up guns, yeah, whatever he does, yeah, all that stuff, fake your mayfield, <laughs> well, we all got our wins in, I did genuinely almost have a heart attack with this game today, man I mean, it was like I ain't even—I ain't even
1: a, a, a
0: Pittsburgh fan, and I was. It, it was. It was. It was some kind of game. I mean, it was. It was wild. I mean, that had Mike up. I had to break out the hard stuff, man. but Mike had to break out the hard
1: <laughs> stuff. Mike's hard, hard
0: lemonade. Right? Nah, he had to go deep. He had to go deep down in the cellar for that, because the, <laughs> the middle lights wasn't making it happen. You know, the bud lights. No, no, no. Let me let me
1: preface this show
0: with—I
1: know a lot of y'all said y'all was gonna come on and jump on when we talked about uh, fathers in the ministry. Oh yeah. It's coming.
0: It's coming. We're going to
1: do a whole show on it. We're not just going to open up a segment with it, but it is coming. Yeah.
0: We're exposing all the fake spiritual fathers out there. So type we, them in. If we, you know, we're going to call it. That's just my baby. Daddy. That's just my baby. Daddy. <laughs> Who that is. Man. I love it. I love it. Deadbeat, d- divine deadbeats. <laughs> I love it. We're going to talk about it, but you know what? I mean, it's in the news, you know, uh, I'm preparing, my plane ticket. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm ready. I, I'm getting my vestments together. You know, I, and together. we have to get to the to the Queen's homegoing service. Oh, hell. Oh, this ain't a, this ain't a funeral. I'm going to go in there and say, this ain't a funeral. This ain't a funeral. This is a homegoing. It's a homegoing. Ah! <laughs> Cue the shout music. I mean, the, the Queen is dead. Who are they going to have sing? <laughs> <laughs> Leandra Leandra Johnson. <laughs>
1: Leandra's get anything,
0: won't she? <laughs> I bet your freedom will be as long as Aretha's was. The queen of soul. Aretha's funeral was seven and a half hours. All right. So so I want to hear your thoughts right quick. First few minutes. What your thoughts are about the queen. And in particular, what does it mean to us? What, what, what does it mean to us? Because I've seen some pretty uh, keep it real statements from formerly colonized nations, Mm -hmm. individuals who were once a part of the empire. Because if you don't know, and unfortunately a lot of our history books don't teach it like we learned it. I mean, British empire had like half the colored world, you know, under subjugation. I'm talking India, African nations, you know, some of the Caribbean, you know, they were in competition with France and Spain to try to, you know, take over the new world and whatnot. So a lot of our brothers and sisters of color around the world, are not feeling all this adoration, no matter how much people love the queen or whatever, they view the monarchy and the queen as an extension of the brutality of their people, right. of their heritage. And to celebrate her and acknowledge her in a, you know, gracious manner is to support what she stood for. Now, she personally didn't have slaves or but she presided that over, we it, know of uh, that we know of, <laughs> allegedly. Nobody has stepped forward allegedly. yet. <laughs> but I don't think it could be denied. And and it, uh, under her reign, obviously everything was changing, and a lot of people were gaining their independence. But I don't believe the the empire gave away or gave back, you know, any of the treasures the monies you can't make up for lost, you know, labor, wealth, time, economic development and all of that. And there's even like crowns, you know, that have diamonds from Africa that were taken from these other places, you know, that were very much, you know, a part of their, uh, you know, their traditions and their elements. So how do you feel about that? Like, are we obligated out of human kindness to acknowledge people a certain way because that's the rest of the world's acknowledgement or are we still do we still have the right to still have the same stance, living or dead, towards people that represent or have been a part of oppressive systems?
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we need to, to you know, patronize her or put her up on this platform. The whole regime, as it as it is, I mean, they've done some stuff that uh, you know would turn our heads. I mean, it's just just the same as you know, we ain't putting. Uh we still ain't ain't nobody still trying to look at these Confederate flags, like you know what I mean. Just because you ain't never uh you wasn't around when General Lee was around, you I still don't want to see a federal flag on your porch. If right. I if I see one on your porch, I'm I'm not I ain't gonna your house to trick or treat. I can tell you that much. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see <laughs> that house. The, yeah, the big so, white house that's yeah. like a hundred yards off the <laughs> off the
0: street with a big lawn in front and by, a,
1: by the way, by the way, I did see one of those bunk. Uh,
0: Biden flag. Oh, you saw up. one of those? Yeah, you, you was telling me about them now
1: that yeah. I finally saw
0: one. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all over my ward, man. They're yeah. they, they on it. I mean, I, I, I have mixed feelings because, first of all, I feel like, as usual, there is a public pressure for people to feel and react a certain way regardless of what their reality is. Mm-hmm. And someone can become a <laughs> beloved figure, but that doesn't change the fact that they are part of an oppressive system. Uh-huh. And that oppressive system made them the beloved figure. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it, it, you can't skirt around that. Right. If you riding around in a car you stole from me, You know what I'm saying? Like you riding around, you pass it down to your kids, and you pass it down to your kids. You still stole that car from Absolutely. me. Absolutely, I don't care if I, you know you, uh, you know the, the grandchild's like, well, I didn't steal it, but I'm still driving by while your grandkids are walking. Right. You know, so that's the way I feel and, like. And you like you have
1: to, you have to look at it. You know, people always say you can't argue with success. No, I can argue with the way you obtained the success. Right. Maybe you have it, but if you gathered off the black backs and off the sweat and off the blood of of blacks, you know, Hispanics, Haitians, whatever. I'm going, I, I do have a right to argue on how you obtained what you do have.
0: And, and I mean, to be clear, I mean, the great Britain continues to have massive racial problems. And I mean, look at what happened with Meghan Markle and the babies. And I mean, there were literally comments made, you know, among the Royal family about the dark babies and the distaste that they would have dark babies and, and those types of things. So you can't convince me that Charles and, and, and Queen Elizabeth and them were just in love with black folk. I think we were more like a, uh, still like a dark curiosity to them. Right. Like, you know, like the exotic, the exotic, Ooh, that's, that, that's certainly interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So I, I, I struggle with that because I think that a part of, especially not just the, uh, not just uh, the, the British Empire, but I feel all over when it comes to history and the subjugation of African-Americans in particular that, that is distinct and brutal in the modern era, that we're going to be forced or expected to play kid gloves with people because of this shifting that's happening concerning the, the the teaching of history and there's a whitewashing like all over again, it's like as soon as stuff actually started making the history books, that's when this like new round of suppression of history, you know, they call it CRT, they call it a little bit of everything. And now it's just becoming, well, don't say white folk ever did anything bad. Right. To black people, I like, don't say that or, or you're saying that. And, and Scott has a good point. We don't want to dwell on it because we want to get off it. So the British Empire didn't do anything that any other empire didn't do before them. History is history. Empires died long before this queen. Uh, I would I absolutely agree. I mean, all forms of human misery and different types of things actually. Uh, uh, did things to other people. I think what we call shadow slavery and the European subjugation of countries of color and nations of color that stands. I think anybody who actually studies history sees that that stands differently because it literally was based off of a theory of race that was created in order to justify that lesser peoples were almost deserving of enslavement. And on top of that, like they were almost created to be enslaved, like they were they were lesser in in mental capacity, lesser in value and worth. And that was actually a construct that's different than saying the Persian Empire or the Roman. I mean, it's it's, it's just a different construct than Muslim nations taking each other captive after they might have warred with one another, African villages and warlords warlords, you know, even intersectional, right. you know, so that's, 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 I think that's a different beast, Scott. And I think that's something that we have to reckon with and at least be honest about. And, and you can't ignore that. Yeah. Those other uh, empires that exist, I think they did. We have a lot to speak to it, but the British empire just happened as well as a few others to extend into an era where everything could be laid bare through media, through modern you know, history books. I mean, through you know, just like everything else, is, is more exposed. And so, hey, they carried it on this long, and they carried it long enough for the whole world to see it for what it is. So, yeah, they will be looked at a little bit worse than the the uh, empires of antiquity. Right. That's what they get for keeping it up for so long. I mean, I guess that's what I feel like. That's what you. That's what you get for letting us go into the TV age. <laughs> <laughs> like, we gonna end up having news reports about you, and we'll probably. I I use the word lightly, but we'll hate you more because we see it more. Right. Exactly. We will. We'll we'll hate it more. What we didn't get to see, we didn't get to see the brutality of a thousand years ago, but we did see this. Tatum, go ahead and give it to us. She's educating us. And it's long. I don't know if we'll be able to read all of it. But there's a difference between those African nations and Caribbean nations that were part of the Commonwealth. Good point. In the Caribbean, we were raised under a British system. However, we had our independence for decades. We will not disrespect the monarchy, but we won't go overboard in mourning. Powerful. I feel it. Powerful. That is powerful. And I appreciate all
1: the perspective. Absolutely. And there's so many on there. We want to thank you all for chiming in. Maybe we'll hit this again uh sometime yeah. soon. Talk but before we
0: Oh, the memes have been hilarious though. Check out Black Twitter. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> for anybody who thinks it's just a black-white thing, look up Irish Twitter. Uh, and if you really the Irish you- <laughs> people, I mean they're going
1: in. And if you really want more on it, go see uh what's his name? Um uh, Pastor. Uh he gave a whole uh, prophecy on it. Um, the, oh, uh, Azusa Street. Carson uh, Pearson. Carson Pearson. Carson Pearson spoke on it.
0: He spoke on it. Yeah, yeah. But he, be- he lost his mind. But he still right. got some prophetic <laughs> gift somewhere be- Before
1: we, <laughs> before we get out of here, I want to give a big shout out to. Uh, I, I want to say my girl, but maybe she is my girl, Serena Williams. You know, oh, as she, <laughs> she gonna be my girl she ain't yours. <laughs> Watch out, Shamika. <laughs> Serena, uh, although she lost last week her career is is too important and too impactful to be um, you know to be limited to one loss she does some great things
0: for for, for tennis so well, love big it. shout out to love her. it love it love it we well, all know what time it is y'all it's time for the meme of the week this is meme of the week meme of the week welcome to religiously incorrect ladies and gentlemen <laughs> thank you send us your memes of the week
1: week. week. these are all jokes we are just playing
0: all right what do we got saints be like Oh, just ignore him. He does this every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we do. Uh, yes, we do. And there is a fallout, Saint. Oh, there's a fallout. Oh, there's, man. A fallout. there's a run around, the church, a run around the church,
1: Saint. There's a speaking in tongues way too long, Saint. Way
0: too long. There's a get happy on the same song at the same time every week. Like oh, you can yeah. just count at 1127. There's a mother who's going to say, go ahead, preach, Pastor. Go ahead. Take your time. Bless him, Lord. Yeah, the ones that fall out. Yeah, there's, there's always one. And you have to look around. I learned as a visiting minister and an organist, especially an organist, mm-hmm. being an organist, if you played at a different church, you will think. That the spirit's really moving Because you're playing and, something, and they'll be looking like Nah, this cat He would He, done it, he, done it every he would fall out of the cat me out I mean, right, he would right, You know right, right. Some of them was like He ain't even shouting He having a seizure He good <laughs> I, he I, I finally got him. a chance I, And you've probably seen it before But I
1: never saw it I finally saw it yesterday On TikTok G Patterson was like Sir, sit down
0: You are not in a space. Oh, yes At a whole convention <laughs> Yes At a whole convention You, you are alive You are alive <laughs> and the truth is not in you.
1: I love it. You are a
0: false prophet. Sir, 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 take take them out of here. Take
1: them out security. Take a, sir, stop talking. Stop talking. I got to remind you of something. Yes, You are the same person seven years ago. And he said that all the bitches were going (laughs) to die. I loved it. I loved it.
0: Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. Yeah. There's the habitual shouter. It's all. And again, that's why I keep saying the modern church I love everything, but man, there's just some stuff you need. You need the every Sunday shouter. You don't get that in modern. Any and lights be out, you can't see them anyway. I want to see them. <laughs> Turn the lights on, blow the smoke out the church. I want to see folk run around and hit something while they're trying to shout. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, Trip over oh, yeah. A, a floor monitor. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that. But thank you. Send us your memes of the week to religiouslyincorrectpodcast at gmail.com. If, if, if we like it, if it makes us laugh. And by us, I mean Big Mike. Then we might <laughs> show it on here. Uh, before we bring on our guests. we want to thank our sponsors from the Phillips Family of Businesses, Phillips Care Cleaning Service. They take care of everything from floor cleaning to house maintenance, move in, move out, wood cleaning, carpets, room room carpet cleaning starts at $35 for basic steam clean, and uh, they do a great job at just about everything concerning your home. So check out Phillips Care Cleaning Service at 330-219-7916. And while you're at it, the leaves are falling, the grass is still growing, get that lawn together, get your your property straight with Phillips care, lawn services, lawn care starting at $30. Apparently inflation did not affect them. Cause that was in the price for like a year and a half. Uh, call my man, Fernando at three, three Oh, two one nine seven nine one six, or look up Phillips care at Phillips care LLC on Facebook. Thank you for being a sponsor. If you'd like to be a sponsor, you can always reach out to us and we will expose your brand and your business to our millions of followers and our gazillions of viewers. What's happening, Big Mike?
1: Rest in peace, Ernie Schaefer.
0: Rest in peace, Ernie Shavers, yeah. one of the hardest hitting boxers from right here in the valley. You know, my, my previous homeowner was his brother. Is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, the Shavers. Okay. Uh, the people okay. I bought my house from wonderful people. Uh so you know, rest in peace, one of Mahoney Valley's own. All right. Who did he knock out? George Foreman? He he jacked somebody up really bad. Knocked fast. out a couple cats. Yeah, he knocked out quite a few. Larry Holmes, <laughs> I think it was. All right, y'all. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to introduce our guest. Hey, do me a favor while he's doing this introduction, like, share, tag somebody. I want to see some names pop up in the chat. Tag somebody and tell them you got to hear got this. You got to hear you this. Got
1: to come on here. Go ahead. Listen, we are excited to have a friend or brother, uh, one of the hardest working men in Youngstown right now. Yes. Pastor JP Robles, John Paul Robles. He is he he has graduated. He graduated from uh, YSU, yes. went to a couple other theological seminaries he is uh the husband of one wife one wife one wife has two children uh, and just a phenomenal pastor and doing a great work over there in youngstown he is working with uh he's doing so he you'll see him everywhere he's he's almost everywhere right now so we are so proud to he was able to take just a few seconds to get come on here on religiously incorrect put your hands together uh Give some hearts and some likes to our man Pastor Robles. Come on, give it up for him.
0: What up? What up? What up? What
2: up? Hey, good to be with you all.
0: That, How you doing? Doing uh, all right. Got, doing right. Yeah. Have, have we gotten your name right? That's it. You Robles. got it. That is it. I was about I was about to say Robles for the whole night. <laughs> You're good. I'm gonna add an extra s to say Robles. That's fine. That works. That works. It just sounds more spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, give us a give us give us the short and long of yourself real quick. Let the people know who we're talking to, who your people is. Yeah, I like to begin
2: by first always acknowledging my ancestors. So I'm the grandchild of migrant workers who moved from the south of the United States when a lot of Hispanics were moving north to work in the factories. So my grandparents were Mexican-Americans who migrated north to get factory jobs. And uh, from there, we moved from Indiana to Pennsylvania. And part of the story is actually racism uh, played a role in the move. And I won't go into that, but not that it got better, but we moved (laughs) from Indiana to uh, Pennsylvania. And then I come from a, a lineage of ministers and ministry, and I was raised in a classical Pentecostal household my dad's pastor still preaching doing it for 50 something years one of my worst fears growing up was bringing a friend to church and (laughs) we were talking about uh the unexpected or or the actually the expected that's it you know what's going to happen and one of my fears was we always had the people who would give a word in tongues and it was almost like clockwork so that was (laughs) one of my fears and they do that every service right so i knew it was going to happen but yeah Yeah, grew up in the Pentecostal church. Um, Now I'm a a priest in the Anglican tradition. So I I tell people I span the gap between praise the Lord, everybody, and then the Lord be with you. And I I, I live kind of in the middle there now. But um, I'm a part of a communion, the communion of evangelical Episcopal churches. And a good way of describing it would be um, they call it convergent, where we are sacramental Pentecostal. Evangelical, not evangelical in the sense of white evangelicals. Uh, I was country. looking for that. But evangelical in the sense that this is good news and uh, that God's liberation is good news for all people. So I have a beautiful family. My, my two children I love. My son's learning how to play the bass right now. My daughter started her own party planning business. She can't even drive yet. So it's my name and number on her card. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I'm married to. The best person, Diana, who I love, I've, I've been her best friend. She's been my best friend since we were kids, so
1: wouldn't have it any other way. And you we guys got had installed at the same time, right?
2: That's right. We were ordained, yeah, the priesthood. So we were ordained in the Pentecostal tradition years ago, but then into the priesthood in 2019.
0: Wow, that's that's that that's amazing. I love how you talked about it being a convergent. Uh, situation where you're bringing these traditions together. And I I can just only imagine I've seen, and we've witnessed what it was like for Pentecostals to begin to adopt what you call high church traditions Mm -hmm. and certain sacrament elements, sort of just, just, just sort of raising the consciousness and the language and the the protocol of, so that, so that Pentecostals, because you know, as I know, being raised uh, in a Pentecostal church that was sort of in a assembly of God sort of, um, background and in the Black context of Black Pentecostalism, it's almost feels like a guttural religion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just definitely very, uh, I don't know how to call it, like just very baseline. Like it just doesn't come with any of that. It's, it's the exact opposite of the Queen's funeral. It's like the yeah. exact opposite <laughs> of Buckingham Palace. Yeah. I mean, these are the people that were raised on dirt floors and, you know, clapboard churches and things like that. And so I know what that's like. So that's a wild shift to the anglican uh tradition and i w- kind of want to talk about like how was that our theme is everybody at home it's a different world yeah that's our theme is it's a different world and we're going to kind of push that in a few different contexts right right but i first i want to i guess talk about the interdenominational context wow man <laughs> yeah wow yeah. <laughs> Yes. there's things going on here big Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the interdenominational, what was it like and what prompted this journey? Mm-hmm. Because if 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 do you consider yourself Mexican in heritage.
2: I do. I do. It, you know, the language was stripped from me because of the assimilation force of my grandparents wanted their children and their grandchildren to speak the language. I'm not judging them for that. Right. I think it was a method of survival. We could talk about that later. How right. It was a form of, of violence, really, that happened to uh, Latino people, Latina people. But, yeah, it's a wild journey for sure.
0: It yeah, absolutely I guess is. what I was asking was if Mexican Pentecostals or anything like black Pentecostals like yeah. to leave or even shift from that context of faith. <laughs> is like leaving Jesus. I mean, yep. I, and I wasn't even raised hardcore Pentecostal, but when I, I went to go be a Baptist minister and, and and accept the call of the Baptist church, you would have thought I left Jesus and the Holy yeah. Ghost and everything right. behind. So oh, tell sure. about that.
2: So Richard Rohr has a quote where he says, everybody should dig deep into their own tradition until they find the river that connects us all. Uh. I mean, we, we forget, I think we're Sometimes I feel like people know scripture so well, but they don't know the tradition that brought scripture to them. Mm-hmm. They know their form of church so well, but they don't know church history too well. And so when it's time to dig down deep and find the river that connects us all, for me, you know, as a Pentecostal, that goes to Methodists. So if you look at like the Christian family tree, you go to the Methodist church and Wesley yes, was an Wesley. Anglican priest. And so early Pentecostals were actually highly sacramental. 1906 Day of Pente- or Day of Pentecost. See, there's that formation coming through. Right, <laughs> right, there it is. Azusa Street, <laughs> which right. you would think was the Day of Pentecost right. the way they view it, but Azusa Street. And then you have these Methodists, kind of like an amalgam of people gathering around the altar,
0: Mission's yeah, Lord's yeah. Supper.
2: And back then there wasn't a lot of Pentecostal scholarship, but there were journals. So when you read the journals of these early Pentecostals, you find out that they were sacramental. That's what kind of sent me in in the the route of curiosity, I could say, began to look at early Pentecostals and how their faith was that opened up some some new things, some new insights for me. That's just me, so.
0: No, I like it. I mean, I've, I've been in a similar journey. I was the one, I say this unashamedly and, and not arrogantly, but I think I was the first person in my church coming up, especially when I became a minister and then an elder and associate, that actually took the time to really explore Our church doctrine, that's where I figured out, oh, this is literally just a, it's just a copy and paste from Assembly of God doctrine, which is Mm -hmm. somewhat of a copy and paste of Church of God and Christ doctrine. But they just tend to have far more position papers on specific pieces of the doctrine where they actually explain it scripture by scripture and word for word, as opposed to just what you repeat on a card at my wife's coaching church, for instance, or what we had on a piece of paper that we never even really referred to. And I just became obsessed with what do we believe? Why do we believe it? What is it based on? Then, like you said, you start digging deep, you start finding out that actually comes from so you're telling me how different we are from Baptists or right. how different we are from uh Methodists. And you're like, no, actually, we are just an amalgamation of those traditions. And yeah. people just started doing what works best for them. And the funny joke that people say about non-denominational churches, like, y'all just Baptists without the yeah, name. That's right. right. So, you're either Baptist or Pentecostal without the without the, that's without right. the label. You're, you're literally so, living within their hierarchy, right. their structures, their, their episcopal, you know, whatever it is they do. You mm-hmm. just chose a, a way, but you didn't want to be connected to the actual structure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now through this through this conversion where you came from and where you are now, um, you 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 may have you may not be Pentecostal anymore, but I've watched you and I've heard you several times. You still have the Pentecostal slang. You still have the the oh the, yeah. You, know, you you did you didn't. Uh, Cold switch, if you would. Yeah. <laughs> See, I brought that in there. You brought it in. You, you <laughs> didn't code switch, if you would. If you, would. You, yeah. you didn't go there and try to be them. You went there still being yourself. You're so right. I I want to make sure that I say this. I
2: still claim Pentecostalism, even if Pentecostals don't claim me. Mm, all right. So I, I don't let that uh, be taken away from me. Still speak in tongues. Still believe in the laying on of hands, the gifts of the Spirit all the charisms like that, that hasn't left me. In fact, what's so wild about Pentecostals, I I forget the scholar who said this, but one of the strangest, but yet most accurate definitions of Pentecostals is that they're blood mystics. They plead the blood over everything. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: One of the things that's wild to me is that I was raised in what's called memorialism. So it's like when we're at the Lord's table for the Lord's supper communion, we don't think God's doing anything. We think we're doing something, but not so much that there's an ontological top-down reality happening here. And yet, you ask any Pentecostal who who was raised in classical Pentecostalism how they feel about mishandling the Lord's Supper, and they'll tell you it can lead to death. So they'll go to Paul in Corinthians where he says, because you're mishandling it, some of you are sick, some of you are sleeping, you're dying. And so they had a fear of it. They believed it could bring death, but they didn't, bring, they didn't believe that it could bring life. Mm. So so what happened for me was I began to wrestle with these things and really explore, you know, early Christianity. And it changed my life forever.
0: I love that you believed it could bring death, which we were all warned about. Right, I mean, you could right. touch the table. <laughs> you can't. Don't you touch that table, boy. You know, but it, but we didn't believe it could bring life as far as that direct divine connection, because then we think, oh, you're being Catholic.
2: Yep. So exactly. you in
0: that false doctrine now. You you think the blood and turn into something and you a vampire. And, yep. uh, yeah. so I, yeah. I, I, I love that. And, and since since uh, Pastor Jeff brought that that word into the conversation, you know, I, I love the idea. I don't love the idea. I love that the concept has been brought to the forefront of code switching. Mm-hmm. That we as a generation, we're very close in generation, and Jeff's, you know, and we're all in the same generation, we're more cognizant of sort of the social gymnastics we have to do in the secular (laughs) and, you know, religious worlds Mm -hmm. in order to fit in. And it's almost, I hate to say it because in some ways the media age, the social media age has almost worsened it because our forms of worship seem even more ridiculous and unpolished and guttural once they're put under bright lights. And let's be, let's be honest. I mean, one of the most joked about forms of worship Is Pentecostalism? We're the ones that are always putting up the shout videos and the funny stuff that happens and the craziness. That's become more of a meme than just about any other Christian tradition. I guess Anglican priests don't do too much funny stuff. You know, I guess it's (laughs) it's not in (laughs) our community, (laughs) they do. But but I mean, how do you feel? I do even believe it plays a part, and I'll touch on it in a second, even in the what we think is a convergence, but I almost feel like it's a social pressure to diminish our cultural yeah. and spiritual fervor and passion in favor of a more mainstream. I almost call it pop worship, yeah, like an acceptable worship model mm-hmm. that follows certain patterns. It's almost sitcomish at this point. And if yeah. you're more of a of a of a what do you call it when you're just doing the stuff off the fly? If oh, you're more yeah. of like a, a, a what do you call it, like Saturday Night Live when you're doing. Uh, Sat, not satire, when you like just get off the st- head. Yeah, know. off the top of your head. Oh, man, the word is escaping me. The word is escaping me. But anyway, when, when you're uh, literally, you know, in that frame, that's almost seen as, you know, unacceptable and and, and lacking excellence, mm-hmm. lacking mm-hmm. polish. So how do you feel about the code switching that you have to do culturally Yeah, and naturally spiritually comes into that? So I think that's a great question. One of, the, one of the things that
2: we're always asking, and I should clarify this. So in our communion, it's the communion of evangelical Episcopal churches. Episcopal just means bishops. So we have okay. bishops and their succession, apostolic succession. You could look at it like Jesus had a cold, sneezed on the disciples, sneezed on Clement, so on and so forth. Right. Like it, it just works its way out. Uh, but one of the things that we talk about all the time is can the liturgy be racist?
0: Hmm. And
2: without a doubt. The answer to me is obvious. With yeah, it it can present a vision of maturity that looks very much because it is it's whiteness. It can be. So when you look at these institutions, what do you see? Even if there's a person of color in a position of power, it's perfunctory. It's there so that they they look diverse. Right. Meanwhile, the power is still held in that normative white culture. Right. And so. I think that one of the things that I like about our communion is um, we stay Pentecostal, but we also know what it is to have high church moments, but it's a wild thing. I wish I could show clips and and share it. Some of these churches that are convergent, I mean, they're full out Pentecostal services. I guess the difference would be they're sacramental and we could talk about that later, but I want to get back to the code switching thing. Code switching to me does happen in church and I think we're seeing it right now. And, and maybe we could talk about this. I think Go we're seeing it. it right now, especially among people who come from charismatic, Pentecostal. Um, I, those are the worlds that I know. So those worlds, what we're seeing is code switching. It's a strategy, isn't it? It's like it's an attempt to change and and adjust one style of behavior, one's expression, in order to optimize how you're seen and how you're received, mm-hmm. it's it's an effort to gain Broad your audience,
0: some kind of expediency added to right the ministry, I suppose. Yeah, I so, know, and I I'm I'm there with you because uh, that's literally, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's almost an argument that is being made by some of our more contemporary ministers, worship groups, or whatever. Hey, if you want to reach the broadest audience, you have to do it like like this. You don't want to mm-hmm. alienate people. They don't understand. Literally don't want to be too Black. That mm-hmm. sound doesn't resonate. And here's the crazy thing. We know that. Mm-hmm. We, we know that. We, we started off and have always lived in the minority reality. We were never the default. And as much as the last 50 years or so especially has brought what you'd call a mixture of, of integrated worship, it's almost always been exclusively Black or marginalized communities adapting the mainstream music, putting a little funk on it, putting a little stank on it, you know, putting something to it. You're not hearing a large swath of white evangelical churches or dominant culture churches singing the traditional songs of the black culture. They might have reasons for it. And I actually heard from someone say, hey, I don't want to offend your culture. That feels like Something that's, that's, I don't want to be accused mm-hmm. like appropriate yeah, of uh yeah. of uh you know cultural appropriation or mockery, but mm-hmm. we do have a yearning and, and and who knows when much of we talk about it, we'd like to see it, we probably would be offended, and you'd end up on YouTube or Facebook <laughs> if we did catch you trying to do an old school, you know, uh Mahalia Jackson tune, like a white lady, a Becky trying well, to sing uh, Mahalia they have Jackson. It, they have it
1: every- we can't have nothing to ourselves. We can't have nothing, to, can't ourselves. Have nothing but to ourselves. Then
0: we celebrate when, like, the, the, the Japanese gospel choir sounds like us <laughs> or the white Pentecostals, and I hate to call them the white Pentecostals, but they're like yeah. the apostolics. Uh There's an apostolic denomination, uh PWI. I forget what it's called. United but, uh, Pentecostals, Yep. Yeah, the Pentecostals. And they literally, I mean, and, and we love it until we find out they're all Trumpers. Uh, but uh, go. <laughs> we love hey. it. And that's the funny thing. For those of you that don't know, just about all the white folk that have church-like black people <laughs> are not on your side when it comes
2: to. add? Can I, add, can I add a note in here? That's yeah. because they're just fundamentalists who speak in
0: tongues. There it is. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that is correct. Wow. Wow. So, 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 Jeff, how do you feel, and how do you see that code switching at work in uh in in your side of things? Because you do things even with social activism, and and you know sometimes I do get a little embarrassed when we're in mixed company, and Black folk act too Black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like well, it, that, it, it, I can name a few names, but I won't.
1: <laughs> I, I see it in in so many different ways because in some ways, I feel like it's it's. Why does it have to be cold? Why can't it just be talking
0: proper, or just speaking? Well, who
1: determines what's proper? That's 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 where it gets. That's where it gets. That's almost what he said about the maturity Mm -hmm. thing with
0: the liturgy. Like, who decided this is correct? Right. And the other thing is exotic. Yeah. You know, we're the exotic. Right. Right. Right.
1: And now you know. And then it gets really bad when you're talking about uh, when you're talking about. Changing your hairstyle. You know, I can't wear my dreads anymore. Right. Or or the way you dress, you know, and I mean, I, I'm the first person to say, you know, pull your pants up. Stop acting, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you get more into like uh what what do they call it? Uh respectability politics. Ex- absolutely. Like res like like be respectable. And it's it's seeped into the church. Right. I think respectability politics has seeped into the church, particularly among charismatic and culturally uh rich churches that like hey if you want to make it mainstream yeah don't be too much of you dampen that down a little bit polish it up sanitize it there you go yeah you know sanitize but some people
1: will call sanitizing cold switching
0: so how how how, where's the cutoff dude yeah where's the cutoff where at what point are you are you like the dave chappelle and white face (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
2: I think one of the things that I like going with is Thurman's definition of it, which is a strategic loss of self-respect. It's a capitulation to the powerful in order to somehow gain something. Mm. But you lose your identity in the process and you're willing to sacrifice it. You're willing to lay that down, sacrifice it in order to gain. I mean, if there wasn't a more. I don't know uh <laughs> this is religiously incorrect
0: go with it this is religiously incorrect
2: it's a colonialist approach to the faith mm. because it's it's aim is acquisition control mastery ownership um I'm running out of words but I I think that's why we see this happening it's a strategic loss of self-respect
0: wow, wow. I love that I love it I love, I love it one one of the um
1: quotes you used when you were at the action um we had something you were you spoke uh there um but one of the quotes you use is one of the ones that i really love by uh forgive me if i don't say his name right but it's rabbi uh herschel yes yeah, Pas- abraham joshua Abraham, yeah yeah and it, it says that um how does it go many are are in a in a you know, in a you free
2: have to society, those. some yeah. are guilty, all are responsible. All are responsible. I, I, okay, I, say that again. In a free society, some are guilty, but all are
1: responsible. Wow. I want you to break that down for me. I want you to break 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 that down for me, please. It's
2: Tell a what way of saying that we all are able, responsibility. We are all able to respond and we and we ought to and we should. And that's on us. That is our our work in the world. So what, what what we see happening a lot of times is just, sh- you know, shoving the blame to the other. You see this kind of bifurcation of responsibility and you see this uh, dualistic mind, which is a small mind that wants to make the world of us and them, blame all the problems on them, make us look virtuous, that sort of thing. But Heschel comes along and he says, no, in a free society, all are responsible. So.
1: Mm.
0: I love that. How does that apply, do you think, to ministry in the church and whether it's what we see as denominational abuses, Mm -hmm. structures that have been, you know, suppressive and oppressive and then cultural as well? How do you see that working in the church in a practical sense? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. Well, I don't want to the assets and send it to black folk. You know, should should should, <laughs> should people that have historically benefited from the subjugation of other cultures should they look for ways to repair? Without a doubt, how can you call yourself a Christian
2: without taking that approach? It's mind boggling to me. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely insane, and I think that's happening right now, right? With historically white institutions. Uh, what we really see is just more white messianic visions that does nothing but recenter whiteness. But I think that idea that that was in the past, thank God it's over. We're free of any responsibility. Let's just keep moving forward. You know what? Let's hire someone of color, give them some kind of public office so that people can see them. And meanwhile, the culture stays rooted in whiteness. The power stays rooted in whiteness. I mean it speaks to everything
1: you you said and, and, and I'm just going to piggyback on what you were talking about right now, and this you talked about redefining the tension, mm. redefining of tension. You said the redistri- the redistribution the redistribution of tension is uh, uh, for white people of means to hear li- to hear, listen, and be quiet. and feel the compulsion to say nothing and then just act not that words do do not matter but in the end only action can be the primary response yeah I love that because oftentimes they they have words they want to say something they want to give us an apology without action They, they they want to you know so so talk about that for a minute
2: that actually comes from Mark Laberton. He's a professor out in California, but he I got to give him credit for that. That's his line. Um, uh, I like what Andrew Draper says. No one needs your wokeness. What we tend to see happening is uh, a lot of people who think they're woke are actually just overly ambitious. And so mm-hmm. they're recentering themselves again. And so Laberton comes along and he says the re- redistribution of tension is multifaceted. It means to hear, listen, be quiet, and then say nothing and just act. You, you know, I think that's what we really need. If you have interest in making this, this world um, a, a healthier place, a more holistic place, a place of equity, equality, a place where we can celebrate beauty that doesn't look singular in its vision of maturity, then I do think it's going to require the difficult work of action. And I want to go back to this thought. A lot of times we think that Christianity, the action of Christianity, is just building. We're only we're stuck in one direction. We think that the, the action of Christianity is to build, build, build. We forget the witness of scripture that tells us to tear down, tear down, tear down.
1: Right. Right. So yeah.
2: what we ought to see is the dismantling of some of these institutions. They're, right. they're in hospice care. And they know it. They have money out of Wazoo and they're wondering, how can we have a faithful witness in the city or in the culture, or in the neighborhoods that we're located within? Well, I could tell you how. Shut it down.
0: Show me the money.
2: <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's, that's sounds harsh. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to. Um...
0: Are you speaking my language, Doc? Keep preaching. OK.
2: okay. Because you have all these resources, and what you're doing is you're just extending the the life, but it's a it's a hospice care kind of life. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's people out there that could benefit, and you could restore and actually have action from your body or your institution that could do some reparative work in the world. But instead, you're just biding your time until you've run out of money, and then you're gonna close your doors anyways.
0: Right. Wow. And, and and that's a that's a struggle I found myself in the center of. I've spoken several times and I'm glad you mentioned that. It's almost like a token sandwich between your more conservative viewpoint. Uh, that's more white evangelical. Like you said, the past is the past. Let's pursue reconciliation in a way that doesn't require anything of me. Uh, and then there's the more liberal uh I'm white and woke side of I'm on your side. I'm almost speaking over you and for you. And I want you to know how much I feel your pain. But again, like you said, it's both are somewhat ineffective and both of them carry with them a hero complex that denies the, the sort of autonomy of the person or the peoples that they claim to want to help. And I can't, I mean, I could sit here and say names having been in the Mahoney Valley now as an active known minister for 15 years, especially in Warren last 10 years as a pastor. And I was that young, dynamic, black, outspoken, this, that everybody has invited me to lunch or breakfast, right? Every white figure from my Methodist brothers and sisters to my evangelical brothers and sisters, they've all invited me. What can I do? How can I come? along? I love the language. How can I come alongside you? I want to walk alongside you. And then I'm literally I learned how to hone my answers because the first few times I was just so glad to be invited to the table. I didn't realize I was on the menu. Right. (laughs) I didn't realize I was. You know, and I, even if they didn't intend it, these are not always nefarious purposes. Like, let me grab this young kid preacher and turn him into my puppet. No, yeah. they really do think they're doing. Right. But then when I learned to home, my message, I became a little bit more militant. I've even drawn back a little bit from the harshness of my language. But I stick to my guns on, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I'm moving in this direction. If you're not willing to move in this direction, I don't see how the conversation can Proceed as, as one evangelical pastor, very prominent in the city of Warren, once came to my office after the George Floyd situation and said he wanted to increase the racial, uh, you know, uh, mixture of his church, he wanted to see a more integrated church and even gave me a number like five percent. And I'd like to see it higher. And I said, I'll tell you what no other black church would pastor would tell you because they're so nice. I, I tell you, I could care less if any black families joined your church, because every black family that joins your church is one less black family that's going to one of our churches that are doing, uh, you know, worship and, and witness right within the distressed areas where they're needed, especially, no disrespect to anyone in the socioeconomic strata, but those certain middle class, more stable ministry, you know, families that are looking for the amenities and the extras you have to offer. Yeah. We actually need them more. And the the, the the law of proportions that people always seem to miss out on is that one family to you is like losing 10 functions in my church. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely you know, because of our population, like that one, only one family. Do you know what a difference if you have a thousand members and only 15 black families, do you know what type of difference those 15 black families would make in black churches in the community? Do do you understand now? So I, I, I've had that tension and and it's frustrating because they all want to be your friend until you stick to your guns. You stick to your culture, you stick to what you know. And, uh, you tell them, Hey, this is where it is. Honestly, mm-hmm. write me a check and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that sounds greedy because you've been taught that that's a greedy line and that's a greedy, you know, but it's not really, it's, it's, it's right. Write a check and walk away because if you had to go through the motions, the ups and the downs, and half the time you keep it a secret of all the mess ups and the improprieties, even if we're not fully formed, we deserve the right to get there mm-hmm. to journey there with the same resources that you got there with God knows how much money you've wasted while you're talking about this one black pastor that walked away with $10,000 from a church or something. God knows the millions of dollars that have slipped through your fingers. As I said to one church member of mine, you know, don't be so impressed with what you see. Some of our mega ministries doing because they might spend more on one HD camera in their church. than they spend on all this community outreach you're impressed with. That's right. Meanwhile, we as a marginalized community, you Here in Warren, you know what I'm talking about. If I'm talking in Warren, I told a, a white peer of mine, you're working with East Market money. I'm working with 4th Street money. Absolutely. My ties come from old retired black women yep. and people who might be younger trying to be faithful, but they don't have the jobs. You've got the, the, the funds of business owners and old money, trust funds, people turning yeah. over parts of their wheels to the, the church over generations upon generations upon generations while we steal, whether you like it or not, are actually at a lower position because of the hundreds of years of wage loss and wage theft that has occurred that never gave us the chance to have 300-year-old trust funds. And and, and legacy. So, so don't look down on what we're not able to do. Ask yourself, why are we not able to do it? And why do you keep coming back to the same community doing the same thing? And no change actually happens there yeah, when you get great. done with your giveaway and your bikes and your presents? Why yes. ask that pastor, same pastor, if you've been doing turkeys in this neighborhood every single year, why do you have to keep coming back? Right. Maybe we don't need turkeys. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need turkey farms. maybe we need you know jobs and development and advocacy that only your voice could give us but let me share the vision you don't get to decide for us what we need but you can support what we need do you think there's an inherent responsibility that God places on the church without a doubt we have to listen he said I
2: saw that look we have (laughs) have to We have to ask the question, what does it mean to follow the one who emptied himself? Right. I mean, you know what I found? Folks want to do everything except lose. Wow. They want to do everything except separate, detach, become less, decrease. Mm -hmm. But really, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you want to make this world, if you want to set the wrongs right, And you want to be a reparative force in the world. How do you think that's going to happen? Right. Right. Without redistributing tension, wealth, you name it. Let's go down the list. I mean, power, everything. So what we always see is just tokenism. Time after time after time after time. It's just tokenism. It's the appearance. But no one really wants to let go of anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've run into it so many times, and Pastor Jeff, you've been here. Even when I talk to peers who are from another context, cultural context, the dominant culture, and we talk about the dis- the uncomfortable things, the discomforts, some of them will say, well, well, you know, I don't want to come and worship or be in a space because I- I'll feel strange. I'll feel that I'm like, yeah, w- welcome to my world. Welcome, Maybe yeah, you would actually understand right. and right. empathize fully if you were the person that, When a joke is made and and people do wrongs don't make a right. Well, you sit there and take this joke. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, people, you know, we we have ways, cultural things, inside jokes, whatever you want to call it, that kind of go with being a part of a community and people. And what many in the dominant culture don't understand is they have the privilege of avoiding that at their leisure. They don't have to be around my culture, but I must function within their culture. I must. I can't even do ministry. Uh, 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 Willie Francois, Dr. Willie Francois from New Jersey, who really uh, recently wrote a book about almost along the same lines. He said that you can't get up. uh, We were in New Orleans for a convention, said you can't get up and be Martin Luther King in the pulpit for your sermon while Billy Graham is teaching your Sunday school. Right. Most of our Sunday school material is strictly evangelical strictly the evangelical and the gospel message. And that's, that's fine. He said, but you can't just include justice in your sermonizing. Justice has to be a part of your teaching.
2: That's good. Mm-hmm. It actually has to
0: be a part of your curriculum and it's not. So the people are being fed that our Sunday school or those Bible studies off of life way and basically Southern Baptist curriculum or assemblies of God curriculum, which is fine. It, it has, but it doesn't speak to the culture Mm-hmm. That we're getting up and preaching on and hammering and this ain't right and that ain't right and they're actually saying well my book didn't say anything about that all it said was love Jesus love people and you go to heaven right mm-hmm. it doesn't talk about what it looks like in practicality that we tend to preach on and mm-hmm. so uh we do have some questions and we're grateful that we have one I want you to type in your questions for Pastor Robos he has been given some wonderful nuggets just yeah, yes, picked a good one absolutely uh, he has a great question Brother Scott has a uh, what does sincerity look like. And would your suspicion let you know it when you see it? That's a good one. What does sincerity look like? And would your suspicion let you know it when you see it? You want me to feel that one? I, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just answer as a black man who is very passionate about justice. Are you willing to deal with the tension of my suspicions and stick around for a while mm-hmm. until I decide you're really sincere? Mm. Are you willing to stick around long enough? Or, or and I'm not saying this to you, Scott, in general. I'm saying that that's a sentiment I'm sure other people share. Like, hey, I'm trying to help. I really am real, but you keep putting the wall up. You keep putting the barrier up. Well, just like a person that's been abused, there's a reason for that.
1: It's that cry wolf. That's it's that cry you put wolf like mentality. You're, wolf, or you're always well, gonna. Well, be no, it's, it's not us. It's the, cry their wolf. cry wolf because there's been so many people who said they're sincere, but at the end of the day, their motives have been wrong or been off. Right, and so. You know, we never right to be suspicious. Yeah, yeah, that's what. I guess so now, what now our guard question. is really up. Yeah, you do right. It. Right. I,
0: I, to to tell you, Scott, and I'll let Pastor Robles jump on this. To have as many potential white allies that have fallen through over the years, I cannot help but be suspicious. it, it just comes with the territory for me. And I hope the Holy Spirit would reveal to me that, yeah, this person is this, but there's no guarantee it'll happen the first day. Right. So, uh, Pastor Robles, jump on this.
2: I'm just going to echo. I think, I think sincerity lets suspicion have its place and doesn't see- seek to dissolve it. Mm. it recognizes the realities that have created the suspicion instead of denying it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing. You have to let suspicion have its place and be willing to sit in the tension of it all. With patience and listening and trying your best to understand. And then, you know, the last thing, sincerity, is
0: it's not words. Sincerity shows up and does Right, right. I'm glad you said that because one challenge I made, and we've had one friend. I could say one friend, Jeff and I both know him. We've had him on the show, Pastor Holbrook. And I'm saying him because I have said those exact words, Pastor Robles, to several people. And I say this not again. I know people might take it in a certain way, but I am probably one of the more prominent figures in our city just in this little time right now among black pastors. And there have been times when I've said to people, well, what's stopping you from just coming down the street once in a while? Right. What's stopping you from when we're doing something, just coming and being present? And I know you're not looking for acknowledgement, but you probably will be acknowledged, you know, just, we're just glad you're here, but what's stopping you from normalizing your presence with us? Mm-hmm. What's stopping you? It, 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 as what we used to joke about, you would go 5,000 miles away to do missions work right. for months at a time, but won't go five miles down the street to go into a marginal and spend time there. Jo- join a black church or, an, or, a, or a marginalized community church as a mission Mm-hmm. Yeah. of of unity and integration you know intentionally with purpose mm-hmm. i'm gonna spend two years at this church and i might not be no more than a sunday school teacher when it's all said and done i'm not even looking for anything but to listen learn experience immerse myself and i'm talking to people that would gladly gladly adapt and learn the language the culture the traditions of some faraway land so that they might go take jesus to them mm-hmm. but will not come and sit under our slang mm-hmm and our preaching style and a little pew walking and old, you know, Negro spirituals uh, to again, broaden, like you said, that tension. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's ask some more questions. Uh, If you have any questions for uh, pastor John Paul Robles, he's been dropping nuggets Uh, as your questions are coming. I hope you have some questions coming. I do want to ask a question. We're talking about a different world. And even within the five, six years, we've seen massive shifts even more than before. And I didn't think me being a pretty aware person, I knew about the religious right. And, uh, you know, I I knew about those movements in the seventies and eighties as a kid. Cause again, my church was kind of based on that, even though it was a black church, my parents carried those concerns. I mean, everybody was trying to turn you gay, uh, coupon cards were a mark of the beast. Uh, gay day at Disney means you have to boycott Disney. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I was raised on some of that, but it's taken like a market shift into like dominionism, you know, ultra dominionism, like we got to take over the marketplace, we have to dominate school boards, you know, uh, obviously the backlash against so-called wokeism, CRT, it literally is a different world now. Like, I didn't think it could get any more than the couple cultural things we thought that what we would call that conservative fundamentalist evangelical bent of political, you know, power and persuasion we thought literally just abortion, gamer. Now it's turned into how we teach our kids. It's turned into economic policy. Right. It's turned into vaccine and healthcare. I mean, all these things. How do you see that? And where do you see this going at, at a large scale? Do you think this is going to cause an even broader splintering, or would there be some place where people start to meet and have real discussion? One of the things that
2: I'm always drawn to is the parable jesus gave about the wheat and the tares and how both are going to continue to grow Mm -hmm. we like to some i don't know how but sometimes we believe in this vision of progress where we think if we progress enough that evil and the bending of wickedness and all these things is going to go away and we thought that was going to happen with things like racism but what we found is it it morphed didn't it it evolved it shifted It went through an evolutionary process because we never really sought to get at the heart of it, which is that vision of maturity cloaked in particularities. When we talk about whiteness, and I think I do, I say this all the time when we dismantle whiteness, when we talk about dismantling whiteness, what we mean by that, people immediately, they hear it as hate speech if they're white and they think, oh, you're talking about me. But Mm -hmm. when you talk about whiteness, you're talking about something that's not essentialized around color it's the lasting legacy of colonialism, and it's an—it's the way that white people, their customs, their cultures, their beliefs operate as a standard by which all other groups are compared, and it creates a dominant social mechanism that gives advantages to some and disadvantages to other. And so, I right. like the quote by uh, Toni Morrison. She said, "This is the the greatest example, I think, of of whiteness." She said, "In America." To be an American means to be white. Everybody else has to hyphenate. So wow. I think what we didn't do in the church, I'm going back to the church now, is we didn't do that kind of work. We didn't look deep enough. We, wow. we, we tried to deal with it on a superficial level. So now what do you see? The rise of white evangelical, you know, religious nationalism. Yes. We were talking about it earlier. We're starting to see new forms, new shapes of the bending and it's taking on some really wild, uh bad theology, bad philosophy. Help me. Get me back to the center of the question because I feel like I I I wondered. Well, no, was-
0: no, you're 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 on it. But I mean, it's it's become what some people have described, and I've seen some Twitter commenters talk about the opposite, where I mean, Jesus said, My kingdom's not of this world. You don't you don't express the power of God through the power of the gun, through the power mm-hmm. of government, but mm-hmm. that's literally become the mo of yes. of this effort is you know put our people in place put put you know, our policies legislate morality and spirituality to to extremes, which was ironic because it wasn't just a few years ago that if we talked too much about racism and laws that need to be passed, they would tell us you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate racism out of people. You can't legislate prejudice out of people. So so, you know, we're not supposed to pursue it that way. It should happen within the confines of the church and reconciliation while simultaneously. Right they are trying to legislate their yeah. their their morals and and beliefs and doctrinal positions into yeah. you know codifying their beliefs which by the way are not even uh are not even broadly Representative of all Christian faiths and half of the Bible, and even the Jewish traditions, they, they, they quote, don't even speak to the things they have taken. Some of the scriptures, as I talked about the Jeremiah text <laughs> about abortion, uh, that, that's why Jeremiah one and six, I knew you. And I'm like, read that again before mm-hmm. the world was framed, mm-hmm. like before you were not the world was framed before you were born in the womb. So that's not some conception positivity, you know, text. It's, it's a text about God's foreknowledge and, and, and eternal wisdom that is far beyond anybody's lifespan or existence and before yes. they even come into the world. But, but, but to hear an evangelical or fundamentalist tell it, that is proof positive that, that the very act or presence or availability of any abortive act is evil, mm-hmm. even though there are other texts that splinter it a lot more. And America is not a nation of nuance. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things. America is not a nation of nuance and our religion is like hatchet instead of scalpel. Yeah. And that's how we have worked this. We have to beat. Thank you for saying a, a relic of colonialism, beat our values into people. Our yeah. values, our religion are a blunt force object.
2: Yeah. Wow,
0: that's Whereas crazy. the teachings of Jesus, even the writings of Paul is, is problematic as they might be for some people. They actually force you to consider things think on these things use your intelligence yeah suppose and then he lays out a a scenario suppose a man abc we're not doing that we're like that's evil make it illegal blah 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 god is pleased it's like blunt force witnessing blunt force event evangelism Mm -hmm. so so
1: pastor pastor john how do you said talked about uh dismantling whiteness Mm -hmm. that that what you called it yeah dismantling what so I mean, how do we really do that when you know even what Pastor Todd was talking about when it's almost like how you dismantle when somebody feels that they're always right mm-hmm. i mean we we have this uh Good. concept where you know they basically said defund uh defund the FBI but when we said defund the police right, you know what I mean, so you know how do you dismantle somebody who when they, when they make something up or when they suggest that what they're saying is right,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: it just becomes that. It just becomes that. It becomes right. Yeah. So how do we sit down with a group of people in a group of room or, 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 or a call a Sam and say, listen, what you've been thinking and how you think is wrong, period? You have to challenge your aesthetic sensibilities. You have to
2: immerse yourself in cadences and cultures that are not your own not to center yourself, not to ambitiously rise to some position where people recognize you, but to humble yourself and listen and be compassionate in terms of the space that you're in. Just be there, but be a loving presence, a, a presence that is there to pay attention. It's the rarest form of generosity. It's the moment. just pay attention. I love that. So like if you immerse yourself in, in these waters, if you will, That challenge your aesthetic sensibilities. I was joking around with the there's a lot of social workers and professionals at that event that you were talking about on Friday. And I said, I'm gonna cuss here. So if this is gonna offend you, you should mute your speakers. Cuss away, not I said, uh, learn to clap on the two and four, damn it. Right. And of course, like (laughs) (laughs) yes. People who understood it got it, but half the room was 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 like, What does that even mean? Right? Because there has been no immersion in anything other than the dominant normative for them. So mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to travel. What do they say? Like the fastest way to an open mind is travel. You right. have to travel. There's right. no other way around it or else you'll just keep that vision of maturity centered in your life. And you can't think outside of that. So you, you do really need to immerse yourself in places where you are necessarily a guest and just be quiet.
0: I love it because I'm tired of family feud praise breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of these, these cornball cornball shouts give it to me on the two and the five the four now I mean I appreciate it Pastor Bobbles, and I, I think that you're you're spot on I mean I think that we are headed uh in a dangerous place because we are repeating mistakes of the past trying to use religion and nationalism and, and, and national pride as blunt force objects to force our ways upon mm-hmm. uh you know, uh, 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 upon others. And 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 the, the funny thing is, Scott made a good point that evangelicals and fundamentals are not the only forces using legislation. The culture has moved fronts. I agree with you, but I would challenge that, Scott. And we do have challenging comments back and forth as followers of Christ. We're the ones who aren't supposed to be. We might be able to say and I, I get tired of hearing evangel. I'm not saying you, Scott, like i get tired of hearing Christians say, well, the other guys are doing it. So right, we have right. to push back. Mm-hmm. Jesus literally said the opposite. He said the kingdom of God suffers violence. And I don't know why people read that backwards all the time as if we're supposed to be the forceful people. He's literally saying that we will be subject to the forces of other agendas mm-hmm. and the violent will do so by force. But mm-hmm. people who carry that character, the people who see that as the solution, mm-hmm. will met that punishment against us yes, and the yes. values and the ethics of love that we stand on. He never said, "Now get your lick back." Right. right he never right, said, right, right. "Now, mm-hmm. now you make sure you get your folk in place." And that—that's the problem I have is that we keep saying, "Well, they're doing this, so we need to push back." Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, "No, you need to push in a whole different direction." Right. My kingdom is not of this world either. My kingdom is not of this world, or you've made this world your kingdom, but it can't be both. Right? Wow. It it can't be both. And I think we're trying to make it both. We're trying to make Jesus's kingdom come by make this by making our kingdom, our nation, look something like His kingdom, mm-hmm. and that's impossible. Yep. And we're like, what? That that ethic doesn't even make sense. If it could be done, it would have been done. How many? So-called Christian-based nations and empires, and not to mention other religions that we may not believe in or affirm, but they also believe they had the solution through their own fundamental beliefs that this would create the utopian society of goodness and love. And they are all failures. Every last one of them Mm -hmm. are failures since the time of Constantine. So... I just wish we wouldn't say, well, if the left is doing it, the right needs to do it. If the mm. sinners are doing it, the saints need to do it. To me, what a low bar. Oh yeah. What a low oh bar to live by instead of looking further and 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 beyond the menial tactics of a temporal world that will not last. Yeah. Yeah, to, that that's the thing that, that that's bothersome to me is the woke crowd is out there. So the saints need that. No, you kind of don't. Exactly. Right. Well, how weak is your faith? How how brittle and fragile are your values that you need a secular document mm. to affirm it and force other people to live by it? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that, that that's a scary thought. But I, I understand it because, as you said, uh, nobody wants to lose Mm-hmm. And nobody, and they don't see it that way. But nobody wants to give up power. And it's funny because as much as we fantasize about the early church and Disneyfy it, nobody wants to live under the realities that created the power of the early church.
2: Yeah, mm. which was
0: persecution,
2: That's being right. the
0: outcast, being the marginalized community, interdependent community. Nobody wants to be that because yeah. we've enjoyed these realities for too long. Yeah. That's right. And we forget that the prophetic speaks from the margins to
2: the center. It doesn't dominate the center. It speaks from the margins to it. So another way of putting it would be we overcome evil with good, not by a stronger sense of power or a stronger sense of force, but we overcome it with something other. So uh, Simone Weil, who's a philosopher that I really am invested in, and, and she was wild. She was a mystic. She was strange, very odd. One of the things that she says is justice is the refugee from the camp of conquerors. Which mm. says, you know that the minute you think you're going to be the one, you know the the, the idea has always been let's get the bad people out so we can get in there and dominate and control in right ways. Well, maybe the whole process of our faith is there so that we challenge the idea of dominating in general.
0: Right. Right. Wow. Yes, yeah, yes, dominating in dominion. And 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 Scott followed up by saying, Neither side will live and let live. And again, I balk at comparing my side, the side of Christ, to the side of the world. I balk mm-hmm. at saying, mm-hmm. Well, if they won't stop, I won't stop. I can choose to stop. Right. I can choose to say, I know that's the way of the world. I know yeah. that's the way that the forces are going. If if let's say I was which, which I am actually in many ways, more of a middle ground. I actually have a lot of conservative values. I just don't feel the need to express them or find some mechanism to enforce them. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually do agree with many. I value life. I want as many babies as possible to live. I, I believe in in personal. I, I even believe in traditional marriage. I believe in all those things, but but the fact of the matter is, if there are people who are against that, and I'm the one following the ethic of Christ, then I'm not going to join their tactics right. to make sure that my values keep up with their quest for power. The world is supposed to lust after power. Yeah, Believers right. are not. That's right. So we keep saying, when well, they're doing it to gain power, so let them. Yeah. The that ruler. Jesus' is the answer. Jesus' yeah. answer was, if they want power, let them have it.
2: Yeah. Uh, if so, if the they the want, of the uh, Gentiles it lord it over them, but it shall not be so with you. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: So that's what they do. <laughs> they lord it over, but it shouldn't be that way with us. Right. right. And, and if, again, that's what exposes, again, whether you intend for it or not, ne- definitely not aspi- you know, ascribing any nefarious purposes to anybody, but there can be a subconscious desire to maintain and hold on to what you've always had Mm -hmm. because it's all you've known. And the sad thing is we have such a short memory and that's also why history is important Mm -hmm. because the vast majority of the journey of God's people is not in the context that we are familiar with in the Western world's domination of the Christians killing the infidels and this, that, and the other. And we're basically doing the same thing, just nicer. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. It's it's basically the same conquest. It's the same stuff. Crusades. Crusades. It's just legislative now. It's just, you know. So we're such, and, I, and I, as I, when I went to the Holy Land, one of the most dynamic uh, quotes that the guide ever gave us is said that you are like babies to us. Your history is so short. Mm-hmm. Your memories are so short. Mm-hmm. You can reach in the ground and touch thousands of years of antiquity. Mm-hmm. Just by touching the dirt here, mm-hmm. everywhere you look, wow. every just just an inch into the ground. He said, I can show you a tree. It, it was a, like a, a little pile of ash on the road that led up to the pool. It's alone, whatever it was called. And it was like an underground road. The original road just a piece of ash was a tree that existed there thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. You could just see the markings on the ground. That so we're so young in our perspectives, but our perspectives are all we know. Yeah, wow. and that's the context that they're speaking out of—the myth of the Christian nation. Right. Yeah, you know uh, what makes you Christian? Documents or actions? Because mm-hmm. I know if I owned slaves in my backyard and I was raping <laughs> women, nobody would say. At least he's talking about God on Sundays. At least, right. at least he's sending a million dollars to Africa for missions. Nobody would say that. They would right. say that's an evil man. Right. Right. Yeah. And either the ethics of sin and holiness are consistent and constant according to the word, or they're not. So we don't sit here and say, "Well, that was a different day and time." Right. Yeah. So I mean, I'm 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 grateful for the uh, the the wonderful perspective uh, that you brought, Pastor Robos. And I mean, you're definitely a you're you're an invite backer. You know, we don't we don't do it all the time, but absolutely.
2: Well, I I appreciate you having me and letting me join in, and I just really am thankful to be here tonight. So, and I think the world of you both. So, thanks for thanks for letting me hang out. I love
1: yeah, it. We ain't even get to talk about your music, man. We got we got to get you back we
0: to talk some about We're gonna do some music videos, some production. All right. <laughs> uh, you do graphic design and everything, don't you?
2: Yeah my my wife actually was the one who went to film school. I studied recording arts back in the day, a long time ago, but um. We get, you know, I love music. I've always loved music, and I found friends in music around here. So, uh yeah, it's always been central in my life, and got to work with some friends. And you done some
0: work for Red Hands? Red Hands, yeah, yeah. We had them in Warren a while back. They're my kid's favorite group. Uh, they were what one of them was on the show, right? Yeah, yeah. We had Kyrie on the show.
1: Okay. Yeah, shout out, to,
0: shout out to Kyrie and Al Parker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Everybody give it up for Pastor John Paul appreciate Robles. You. I, I mean, he it. is the man. I think we're going to have to bring him in at some point. You might even have to speak at one of our one of our events. I mean, he he definitely brings a fire and we appreciate it. So thank you so much. We're going to take you to the back for just a minute and uh, stay on for a second. If you have time, Did you have anything to say, Mike? Yeah, anything else you want to say, big Mike. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, everybody, give it up again for Pastor Robos. And uh, as we're going, uh, we want to thank our sponsors again. Thank you all for watching and encourage you to follow, like, share. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, but I'd like to take a, a quick moment of tribute, if you don't mind, oh my God, please. Pastor Jeff. I want to yeah. take a quick moment of tri- uh, tribute because when we walked into the studio tonight, uh, we walked in with the news uh, that one of our stalwart Uh, ministers of the gospel, pastors, shepherds, mentors and friends has passed away here in the Mahoney Valley in the city of Warren. And that is in the person of Superintendent Dr. Gerald L. Morgan of the Hoyt Street Flourishing Ministries Church of God in Christ. And uh, I have a personal experience with Dr. Morgan and with the Hoyt Street family. They were a and have been a wonderful part of my formation and connection In ministry work. He was one of the earliest pastors to give me the opportunity to preach in his pulpit when I was just a young man. I don't think I was more than 21 or 22, maybe. And he asked me that I got a chance to preach a a revival service. Uh, The Hoy Street Flourishing Ministries were a part of a fellowship. Of what we call the Sons of Thunder. And those of you who know what I'm talking about with Pastor Evans and uh, Pastor Johnny Austin, Johnny's father, and then it was Pastor and now Bishop Nick Myers. And they called <laughs> themselves the Sons of Thunder. And there were a yeah. few others. And those those fellowships were just so sweet and formative. I just
1: love guys, life. He was old school. Sweet. You know, I came, when I first came up to Warren, you know, I went there and, you know, I was pastor at the time. I, you know, let me know, I'm a pastor. You're going to preach today.
0: Right. You're going <laughs> to preach. You're going to preach. <laughs> he today? was going to put, like, put, put you on serious? the spot. Yeah. You got to learn. I, I ain't
1: think people done that no more. <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was you one up. of them.
0: He was one of them. You want to talk about a genuine, kind hearted, yes, yes. hardworking, down to earth. I mean, great sense of humor. If you knew anything about his, his pastor, Pastor Nolan Brown, Superintendent Nolan Brown, he had a wicked sense of humor too. Uh, he, he, he was just that guy. Uh, I know y'all know the nickname. Y'all don't all know say, the nickname. The, hey, it's man, all up. Maintain, maintain. maintain. <laughs> hey, and I, I say that because that's what my dad would say. Because they came up together, mm-hmm. and my dad once said that they looked out for each other even when they were out in the world wow. before they got saved when they were young men kind of doing their thing like young men do. And they looked out for each other while they were in the world. So our prayers are to Lady Dr. Vivian Morgan, the children, the Hoyt Street Church. I can't imagine how deep the pain runs. I went through a death of a pastor when I was 11 years old, and it forever changed me. And uh, it's a hard thing for a pastor to pass because there are – more than one family that's suffering and it's all one big family. So we're standing with you. We're praying for you. That's all jokes aside and all the controversial content. Uh, We love you all. Anything we can do to help, you know, we'll definitely be there for you. So much love to the Morgan family, the Hoy Street family. To everybody watching, pray for each other. We don't get sentimental a whole lot, but think about each other, lift each other up, and uh, I believe God will take care of all of us. So until next time, God bless you. See you next week for Sunday night service.